Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. High Heels in Politics listeners will hear about an Ohio ballot issue that will be held at a special election on August 8, 2023, that voters will decide whether to adopt the constraints on the powers of initiatives and referendums in order to protect the Ohio Constitution, or will it have an impact on civil-driven powers? The August special election on Issue 1 has national implications. What is Issue 1? Voters will decide whether to make it together to amend the state's constitution by raising the threshold for passing future constitutional amendments in Ohio from a simple majority of 50% to 60% and change the signature-gathering process citizens must follow. Since 1912, Ohioans have had the right to bring issues to the ballot and passing these amendments with the 50% rule. Out of 49 states that require voter approval in order to amend their constitution, 38 states require a simple majority vote. That means 50% plus one. The proposed constitutional amendment to be adopted Now, in the other 11 states, voters must approve the amendment by more than a simple majority or by some other rules. In Florida and Illinois, both require 60% supermajority, and Colorado requires a 55%. Our guest today, Jan Miller, is the executive director of the Ohio League of Women Voters. Jan? was raised in a small Ohio town and has had over 20 years' experience working with diverse communities to promote social justice and civic action. She holds two degrees from Capital University and earned her master's at Ohio State. She is a board member on the Ohio History Connection, Kids Voting Ohio, and Jen serves with me, yes, your host of High Heels and Politics, Mary Ann Christie, on the Ohio Women's Suffrage Monument Commission. Jen will present her reasons of the impact of the limitations that will change the safeguards of civil liberties and destroy citizen-driven ballot initiatives. At the ballot box, the citizens have had an ability to respond to issues that their elected officials had refused. High Heels of Politics have extended an invitation to the opposition. Both guests will be given the same questions. Now, in simple terms, what is the reasons for this? The pros, they say, for passage, it protects the Ohio Constitution by making it more difficult for the Constitution to be amended by the influence of money and special interests from both inside and outside of Ohio. While the opposition for voting against Issue 1 
says it would destroy citizen-driven ballot initiatives, taking away the freedom to place issues when lawmakers fail to have their concerns addressed. In January 2023, the Ohio legislators eliminated August special elections, saying interest groups often manipulate and put issues on the ballot in August because they know fewer voters are paying attention. Now, the Ohio Supreme Court on June 23rd ruled that the previous wording misled voters about issue one. The Ohio Ballot Board changed the language after the ruling, and here's how the proposed ballot issue will appear at the August 8th election. Requires that any proposed amendment to the Constitution of the State of Ohio receive the approval of at least 60% of eligible voters voting on the proposed amendment. Require that any initiative, petition, filed on or after January 1, 2024, with the Secretary of State proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio to be signed by at least 5% of the elector of each county based on the last governor's election. Specify that additional signatures may be added to an initiative petition proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio is filed with the Secretary of State on or before January 1, 2024, proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio. If passed, the amendment will be effective immediately. Now, if you're having trouble understanding this, don't hesitate to go to your county board of elections and look up the language of Issue 1 if you want to read it before you go and vote on this. Welcome, Jan Miller, to High Heels and Politics. Let's begin with the current process to place initiatives or referendums to the voters. Isn't it presently difficult to put a citizen-led measure on the ballot? And what are the present requirements? The process is already very challenging. So first, you have to get a 1,000 signatures that's submitted to the attorney general, and the attorney general must certify that it's fair and truthful. It goes to the ballot board, and they have to rule on it as well. They create that language Once you are approved, then you have to get at least 10 percent of the total votes cast for Ohio Office of Governor in the last gubernatorial race. So that's a lot of signatures. And you get those in 44 counties at least. And then if you come short at all, it's really easy to come short on your signatures because people move, people pass away. And so we really want to make sure that we have the chance to fix that if we come short. It's not unusual for a campaign to be a sh- short just a few signatures. So we have something called a cure period or a grace period that's 10 days. Now, is that being cut out of this present issue one? Yeah, I actually think this is one of the most challenging pieces. We don't talk about it as much because it's confusing, but most ballot campaigns use that cure period. And so what we're talking about in ballot issue one is one that campaigns would have to collect from 88 counties rather than 44 
And then without that cure period, it could essentially mean that one county being short one signature in one county could cancel the entire process. This idea that one county could even refuse to sign the petition. There, there could be a very strong decline to sign campaign. And one county could veto or block the rest of the state from getting an issue on the ballot. Since 1912, Ohioans have had that right to bring issues directly to the ballot. It's not a Republican, nor is it a Democratic issue. So the question is it about preserving the right of people Or is it protecting the Constitution? I think that's a great question because I don't think it's either or. I think that our Constitution is a living document. There's a reason why the U.S. Constitution is smaller, because the founders of the U.S. Constitution really wanted to support local control and state control. The state Constitution needs to be a living document that constantly changes and is responsive to the needs and interests of everyday people. We all want the freedom to be able to make decisions that affect our daily lives. Ballot issues give Ohio citizens that freedom. And this has been a check on power, essentially, since 1912. When we got this right in 1912, even Teddy Roosevelt came to the State House to encourage passage because the State House was incredibly corrupt at that point. And so we need to look at this as a check on power. We need to look at this as a chance for Ohio citizens to pass policies when our lawmakers are acting out of step of our beliefs or needs. There's a lot of talk about the history of outside money that puts amendments on the ballot. Is that the major factor in all this? If we want to talk about money and politics, I would love to do that. This doesn't fix that issue at all. If issue one passes, what it's going to mean is it's going to be impossible for citizen groups to do ballot initiatives, but deep funded groups are still going to be able to do it. It's only going to mean that those who are well financed, likely with dark money, can bring these issues forward. But there's another good point. Folks keep pointing to the casino but conveniently forgetting that in 2015, Ohio voters changed the rules. Now, a monopoly or oligopoly cannot use the Constitution to pass amendments. They can't use this process to pass constitutional amendments that would benefit them financially. We protected the Constitution from special interests in 2015. Incidentally, it passed just over 50%. Now, there have been some other issues that have passed. I think, what, worker, hourly wages, or what other issues? Yeah, over the 100-year-plus history of having ballot issues, Ohio voters have approved pensions for war vets, have integrated the Ohio National Guard with women and people of color, have built 1,200 schools, set standards for civil servants, Again, protected the Constitution from monopolies in 2015, funded low-cost housing, and secured a whole bunch of improvements through statewide bonds. A lot of people don't understand that statewide bonds are constitutional amendments because our Ohio Constitution has a debt limit in it of $750,000. And so all of those bonds, whether it's water infrastructure or clean Ohio 
or the 1,200 schools that were built after the DeRolf decision, all of those were actually done through constitutional amendments. Several of those would not have passed at that 60% threshold. Issue one requires, does that requirement apply to state legislators if they want to amend the Constitution? It does. So the 60% applies to any constitutional amendment, whether it's citizen-initiated or not. I think the interest in issue one is first that it ends majority rule. So, for example, when I talked about integrating the Ohio National Guard with people of color and then subsequently with women in the mid-20th century— Neither of those passed by 60%. We're talking about a lot of policies that have made Ohio better that might not pass at the time by 60%. So that's a concern no matter what. But the signature piece, it's already so hard to do signature campaigns in Ohio. So this amendment would make it harder for citizen groups to get on the ballot and for all constitutional amendments to pass. What other states, Jen, have supermajority requirements? I covered it a bit in my opening statement, but what do you have for information? The first thing is, I want us to be the best Ohio we can be. And I'm proud of this tradition that we have had for over 100 years in Ohio. Only Florida requires every constitutional amendment to pass by 60%. There's a handful of states that have some sort of supermajority, but only one, Florida, has 60% for every constitutional amendment. And at the end of the day, I don't want us to be like Florida. I want us to honor this tradition that we've had of empowering everyday people to make policies that have improved our lives here in Ohio. I want us to preserve that tradition of direct democracy. Here in January of 2023, the state legislators passed a bill to not hold special elections in August except for necessary circumstances. If this amendment is important, then why is it being held in a special election in August? Why isn't the issue on the November 7th, 2023 general election? It's a really good question. August special elections always have low turnout. This is an issue of great import. In fact, in our 200-year history of the state, we have never had the General Assembly put an issue of such great import on an August special election. This is truly an about face. This is going to cost 15 to 20 million or more of taxpayer dollars. It's going to put boards of elections through unnecessary stress. And it could very likely mean that a very small portion of Ohioans are deciding whether we're going to vote our rights away or not. So we're incredibly disappointed that this isn't an August special. If we want to make this decision, we should be insure we should be sure that it truly reflects the will of Ohioans and that it's put on a November election. Or, But remember, Marianne, that we were able to push back on that. They were not able to get this initiative past last lame duck. We were able to push back. They were hoping to get it on the primary. We defeated that as a coalition. And so their last hope was this August special. And when the supporters of the of the joint resolution, the sponsors, were talking about it to colleagues. They actually wrote a letter that said that this was about reproductive choice and redistricting reform. 
those are two important issues that we are facing as Ohioans. What is the League of Women Voters position? You're their executive director. So we rarely take positions on ballot issues, but we're out front very strong against this August special because it is eroding our fundamental right and freedom to use ballot initiatives to improve our daily lives. It's also an incredible check on power. Of course, you know that we have been working against gerrymandering since the 1970s, first when the Democrats were doing it, and more recently when we've seen maps rigged for Republican candidates. And so we are concerned that this could impact redistricting reform, mostly because of the signature issue. Getting signatures in all 88 counties and not having the grace period, if you come up short to get a few more signatures, that's really going to do damage on any future good government effort like redistricting. When you say the grace period, are you talking the existing cure period? Is that the same thing? Yeah. (laughs) I like to use grace period. I know cure period is the legal term. Grace period, I think, is something that everyday Ohioans might understand. All right. In some ways, that if this passes, then the elected officials now will be the only ones almost who can pass any legislation. Is that true or am I just making up things in my thinking? This is a special election for special interests. It was special interests who spent millions of dollars lobbying the Ohio legislature to get this on the ballot. And they're pushing this amendment to take away our rights. They know that it's far easier to get what they want out of the legislature than it is to get it out of citizens. And so this is a concern. Now, we talk about outside money. Is this just Ohio money that's being used to promote this? I don't know now, but what I will say is that we do know that there was a billionaire out of Illinois, Richard Uline, who funded the effort, was really bankrolling the effort to get SJR2, which is now becomes issue one in August, on the ballot. Jen, in closing, I want to ask a question about what coalitions or people are asking people to vote no issue one at the August 8th election? We have a broad coalition of Republican-leaning, Democrat-leaning, and nonpartisan groups like myself working on this. So we have firefighters and the FOP. We have teachers and nurses, faith leaders, good government groups. In fact, there's over 200 organizations who are working together to defeat this that could represent up to millions of Ohioans. We've also heard from elected officials from both parties, like the former Chief Justice Maureen O'Connor, Governor Kasich, Governor Bob Taft. In fact, we've had several governors and several attorneys general from both parties oppose this issue. And when they talk about it, what they say is, sometimes I didn't get the policy that I wanted, but that didn't mean I wanted to go change the rules. And I think that's the bottom line here. I think so many folks are seeing that this is an attempt to rig the game, to change the rules. The only bipartisan vote is a no vote, that we are seeing such a diverse group of people 
from across the state, from Lake Erie to the Ohio River, in opposition to this. And it's going to take all of us. That's why we have one more thing. It's called Mine Plus Nine. And that's the idea that I make sure I vote and I get nine of my friends to show up and vote no as well. Jen, thank you for this information. I think it will help the Ohio voters, especially here, well, across the state, to have heard a clean presentation. It isn't a Republican or Democrat. It's an independent group of the League of Women Voters. Thank you. Thank you. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.